of the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Nah, man, you see how good I look? Nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning a the game. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. Not this night. Yes, sir. Not this night. We don't pay attention to what happens, what goes on, on the outside. We just do our job. Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown, Martinsburg. Towards the pylon. Touchdown, Washington. Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets. And it's a two-possession lead for the Appleman. Gets a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a trick move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The throw not in time. Hedgesville's going to Charleston. Gavin Young puts the drive up 9-63-54. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season. Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. Back by popular demand, it is Panhandle Sports Live on this 7th day of December 2023 as we broadcast live, per usual, from the Hoppy Kerchival Building here in Martinsburg, West Virginia. I'm Luke Wiggs, Daniel Woods, and Parker Stone alongside. Parker Stone, we had the pleasure of christening the uh, newly opened and renovated uh, cool 92.9, of course, the longtime home of Berkeley Springs Athletics and Morgan County's home for classic hits right now. Spent some time, cut the ribbon, uh, got to mix it up with some of the great people of Berkeley Springs and uh, had a good time yesterday with our Berkeley Springs brethren. Oh, it was a great event. Awesome event put together. It was a showcase of what had been worked on. There was a lot of a lot of work that went into the project over in Berkeley Springs. When you ask anybody how the process in that development of making the building at Cool ninety two nine in Berkeley Springs happening, that no shade to the old building. The old building was a dump. Whenever we really got in and got working on it, but. Now it looks fantastic, all sorts of great amenities put in there, and it's now that we are fully back and locally live in Berkeley Springs is something I know our Morgan County listeners are going to love. Great music on that station as well, if you ever give it a listen, it's 92.9 on the dial. It, it's just, it was just a fantastic event yesterday put together by all. Well, of course, like I mentioned, that's going to be the home of Berkeley Springs Athletics, uh, and the season opener for the Tribe on Cool 92.9, mind you, comes up uh, a week from yesterday, December 13th, which is also the first night we're going to be carrying high school sports right here on WEPM and WCST as well as the second chair in the studio today, occupied by Daniel Woods, got to go to Berkeley Springs for the very first time yesterday. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was was good to get out and work with the the community, as as Parker said, uh, I think there's some big things coming for for Cool 92.9, and we hope there's some big things coming for Berkeley Springs basketball this year as well. Yeah, certainly. You can text us, 304-263-4321. want to get to a couple of basketball scores from yesterday. I know we want to talk about the backyard ball and what was a disappointing game for the Mountaineers. We're also going to take a brief peek at the NBA today uh, because I'm sure Daniel's going to be thrilled as to what team is currently atop the Western Conference. Uh, We're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. But, uh, fellas, 
we have some really notable scores in the world of boys high school basketball. Um, most notably, a Musselman victory against Sharando. Now, that was a Sharando team that beat the Appleman last year. Uh, last night, Musselman able to handle business, win by 12. Uh, you also had a really important victory by Jefferson. And when we had Richard Lewis on to talk about this Frederick game, he said, you know, this is a perennial powerhouse in the, in the state of Maryland. They've got multiple guys with aspirations of playing college basketball. Well, Jefferson does too. They win 65-62 to 62 in overtime behind 19 points from Jamari Jenkins. You also had Jaden Gladney and Wyatt Shively uh, contribute 11 points and Kylan Johnson with 10. Uh, you, you can find a little bit more coverage of that. Richard Lewis, their head coach, tweeting that out. Uh, or axing that out or whatever you want to say. We have a girls' score we'll talk about in just a moment. But, Daniel, I mean, those are two teams that year in and year out are, are tough. They're on your schedule because they're close. They're out-of-state teams that have very talented rosters. And Musselman gets the early win. Jefferson does as well. And uh, Jamari Jenkins hasn't skipped the beat. He goes for 19 in that victory. That's correct. And you talk about the Musselman-Sharando game first. I'll, I'll get through that quickly because I really want to talk about this Jefferson performance uh, Sharando, it feels like it's kind of a measuring stick for some of these EPAC teams year in and year out. If you can beat Sharando, you think you can be competitive in the EPAC, and Musselman took care of that last night. It wasn't a perfect performance by any means, but you got the job done, and that's what matters on opening night. Now, talking about this Frederick team that Jefferson beat, this is a team that's coming off a 26-1 and season that did not lose until the Maryland 3A semifinals last year. And... Jefferson went out there and despite having, as we've talked about, maybe the best backcourt in the state of West Virginia was a team that there were some questions about. You've got guys coming off of the football team like Richard Lewis talked about that don't have a lot of basketball experience that they're counting on to make a difference in the paint. You're expecting Wyatt Shively to take a step forward. And it really seemed like that's what happened last night for this Jefferson team. You needed some of those supporting pieces to step into bigger roles and you got double figures out of Wyatt Shively. You got double figures out of Kylan Johnson and you beat somebody that Richard Lewis at least expects to be one of the best teams in the state of Maryland again this year. So uh, a really impressive start to the season for the Cougars. Well, and look at it from this perspective as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we've had this conversation before. You look at some of the top teams. <clears throat> gee, I got something in my throat uh, in the state of West Virginia for class quad a and Morgantown's a team that, you know, looks vulnerable early on. You've got a GW team that I understand had one of the best freshmen in the state last year in Noah Lewis. You mean the Kanawha County All-Stars? <laughs> uh, but, you know, Brandon Hoffman's not there anymore. You know, it's a team that has also missed a, a step. Uh, and Parkersburg South has lost some pieces. Those were the perennial uh, com competitive teams, and I understand that people expect them to be good as well. But they're vulnerable. There's an opportunity for Jefferson to take that next step if this team can be cohesive. You know, you look at the quad A landscape, those are the three out of EPAC hurdles. Obviously, you can't overlook your area teams, but, you know, I mean, there's an opportunity here for, for Jefferson to really grab an opportunity. I can't disagree with you at all. There's, I will give Richard Lewis credit with this schedule. You've got a tough EPAC schedule, but he's gone out and scheduled statement games for this team, I think you could say. There are games on this schedule that if you win them, you can go into the postseason saying, we are capable of winning a state championship, and there will be people around the state saying, you are capable of winning a state championship if you do that. And it may not show up that way to a lot of people in the state of West Virginia outside the Eastern Panhandle that don't know what this Frederick program is all about, 
But I would argue that one of those games was last night and that Jefferson pulled it off. Well, I think it's an interesting takeaway, Parker Stone, because we know that there's a lot of unknowns circling around who the second, third, fourth teams in the EPAC are going to be. But the odds-on favorites on both sides of things both had very impressive games last night. Jefferson beats a very good Frederick team, and the Washington Lady Patriots dominate North Hagerstown 71-40 to behind 17 points from Lexi Adams. Way too early to read too much into it other than, you know, you want to make sure that these teams don't come out of the gate flat, and I don't think either one of them did. No, nowhere close, and I think with Jefferson's win over Frederick last night, that is a firm planting of the flag and saying, this is the alpha team in the conference. Until you have a shot to beat us, you're not taking this crown away. And I think that's the case at this point. The fact you beat a really, really good Frederick team from all accounts shows that Jefferson is by far and away, I think, the number one right now in the conference. The number two on the boys' side, as you mentioned, I, I think it's a mixed bag. We talked with the coaches throughout the conference. Coach Dave Rogers of Martinsburg says he's deep. They got Keyshawn Cheek now over there, who when he's on and clicking, he's a guy you can center a program around. You got Hedgesville. Coach Kelly Church said, well, we've lost some pieces, but we're expecting some guys to really take that step. And guys like Xavier Kirk, guys like Quincy Pitsnoggle, guys to take that leap and get Hedgesville. And, I mean, we talked with Coach Church. He's only had one losing season since 2010. This is a guy that's consistent with winning, so we can't expect Hedgesville to just fall off the map, even though they've lost a lot of key pieces from last year. Spring Mills, too. You, you can argue the best player in the conference plays for the Cardinals and Caleb Thomas. I mean, you and this is a team that have guys step up and have played well. It was a game out from going from Charleston last year, and again, you look at Washington. they got a lot of exciting pieces, too, with a new head coach. It, it, it's, a, it's exciting on the boys' side. The girls' side, again, too, we talked about it yesterday. I think it's wide open on that second seed. Yeah, I mean, Hedgesville's got some life in them, I think, with Coach Faircloth. I believe they won again yesterday. Yes, and, I mean, th there's a lot of teams that are showing a lot of promise right now. The Musselman girls, we talked about them at length yesterday. I know Spring Mills girls didn't get the best start to their season, but, again, it's still a young season, and they've been in that position before. And even Jefferson and Martinsburg side, I mean, there's there's a real case. I think the ones are firmly planted right now from the early season in Jefferson and Washington but for that second spot, I mean, it's it's anybody's race, I think, at this point. Well, I'm glad you brought up the Hedgesville girls team, like you mentioned, Park. They were two and twenty last year. They've already won their first two games to start this season. Um, you know, and there's some talent on this roster that's got some staying power. Uh, most notably, Gracie Brown, who scored over 40 points combined, mind you, through the first two games. Uh, two things of note. Oh, uh, a couple of things to note, I should say. Uh, coming up beginning next week, we're going to start our previews, albeit with the season already starting. We've already lined up some uh, some girls basketball coaches in the area to come on and talk about their programs. We're excited about that, and you're not going to want to miss tomorrow's show. We're going to have a special segment, boys. We're going to have a EPAC boys basketball kind of semi-fantasy basketball draft. We're going to be picking starting lineups, all three of us from the available pool of players, and I think that's going to be a ton of fun. We've got a break to take, and we return. We'll talk WVU basketball. It was a disheartening loss yesterday and the 190th playing of the Backyard Brawl. We'll talk about that. This is Panhandle Sports Live. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Follow our socials for updates on live broadcasts of local games. And you can text us 304-263-4321. It's Luke Wiggs, Daniel Woods, Parker Stone hanging out with you as we turn our attention to last night's WDVU basketball game where the Mountaineers fell 80-63 to to the Pitt Panthers and are now 3-5 and on the season. Before we get our panel of experts' thoughts, let's hear from Mountaineer head basketball coach Josh Island. I think we all know the story of the game. Um, Blake Henson, you know, 9 for 15 from 3. 
he came out and he uh, he rattled us for sure. You know, but the, they brought the fight. They brought the fight, and, and we didn't have uh, probably enough dog in us tonight to to compete uh, every single possession. I thought the first half we did a pretty good job with our ball movement, and and the offense was uh, was clicking a little better, and and uh, probably got a little too stagnant in the second half, and and didn't have that uh, cohesiveness and uh, offensive end in the second half. But uh, when a team comes in, makes 16 threes, um, it's, that's hard to overcome. And uh, thought we did a pretty good job limiting them on the offensive glass. They only had six, and. They didn't have any second-chance points, but uh, it's hard to overcome 16 threes. That's Josh Eilert after the game. Um, you know, you look at the box score, and this was a pit team, Parker Stone, that, you know, was a two-horse team and what they got from Carrington and Henson. He mentioned Henson 9 of 15. Some crazy shots hit by Pitt in this game. Let's just kind of start with some of your general thoughts. Uh, I mean, it's just it's – just, it feels like this WVU team, and I, I hate making excuses, especially making excuses against Pitt at that – but it just feels like this WVU team is playing with like their legs cut off from underneath them at this point. It's there's no depth, there's no ability for this team to really get the wheels turning. And I feel horrible for Josh Eiler because he's auditioning for his job right now. Yeah. He's got this season to really solidify. Okay, are you the coach of this team of the future, or do we need to go get somebody else? And I mean, you look, you look besides Jesse Edwards and Quinn Slezinski. It, it, you're trying to find guys that can give you numbers. Thankfully, we got the encouraging news. A Cook, A Cook plays eight minutes in this game. He's being able to play once again, which is fantastic. But you look at the bench totals. You get outscored on the bench, twenty-one to three. You're you're never going to win a basketball game when you get three points on the bench. And I think that's just the the autopsy of this team is that they don't have a bench and forbid any of this happen what if a guy like Slizinski or Jesse Edwards or someone gets hurt or gets injured where do you go and it's just it's it's discouraging because first of all this team's playing without a great point guard prospect in Kirk Kresha this team should be playing with Raekwon Battle and I know we said our piece on that yesterday and also we, I, I print this out for everybody we're holding these up right now our free Ray uh our free Ray papers right now standing in solidarity here you can hear it in radio yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if it's some are with Panhandle Sports Live, <laughs> but in closing, yeah, this seems playing. It feels like with their legs cut out from underneath them, and it's hard to build any momentum when you're not given full. Like, well, I'll give this for an example for you guys. What what if I tell you to go mow some grass and I give you half of a lawnmower? That's yeah. what it feels like right now. Fair, Daniel. I, I can't argue with that, and it, it's just difficult to watch this and I don't want to begrudge any of the guys that have stuck this out because somebody like Jesse Edwards, somebody like Quinn Slizinski, well, Quinn Slizinski came in after the fact, but somebody like Jesse Edwards, Kirk Carissa, who we haven't seen yet, but there are guys on this team and there are guys that were on this team that did do this. There are guys that could have said when Bob Huggins resigned, you know, this is going off the rails. I want out of here. You know, this isn't going to do it for me. But there, these guys have stuck it out. And they have, regardless of what you think of the performance, they have fought through everything that has been thrown at them. There's not an ounce of give up in this team. But I think at the end of the day, you look at the fact that the depth of this team has been decimated. And the thing that I struggle with is looking back 
at the way that this program recruited the last couple of years because now you have guys that are still underclassmen but have been in the program two, three years and can't go out there every night and get it done. Well, I mean, look at it this way. Let's be honest with ourselves. You know, I don't want to beat up on this team too bad like you, for the reasons that you just said. Josiah Harris and Seth Wilson aren't Power 5 basketball players to me. I, I've got... I've got the receipts on this. All right. So the last two recruiting classes, full recruiting classes, so 2022 and 2021, WVU signed nine players out of either high school or junior college. That's Jimmy Bell. Who was a good player and ended up leaving. He's playing well at Mississippi State. Jimmy Bell, Mo Wagee. Mo Wagee, who he's he's got a growing role at Alabama. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was a good player, but he's not somebody they recruited. I mean, he's not somebody they recruited as a freshman coming out, coming right. out of high school. Josiah Harris. Uh, who, let's be honest with ourselves, we'd be in a much, much better spot if he could have developed as a player that could hit some shots and he's not shooting the ball well at all. Josiah Davis. I, I had high expectations for him to be able to grow into a prospect, but he was a raw prospect that never panned out. Pat Sumnick. Who is in a situation where if he had any kind of ability whatsoever would be given 10 minutes a night because Jesse Edwards just needs to get off the floor. But in a game that you tried to throw everything at the wall and win, you saw, you saw exactly what the coaching staff thought about Pat Sumnick because he played three minutes. Yeah, you had a cook, a cook who hasn't played in weeks, and, and he uh, took Pat Sumnick's minutes honest, on night one. Let's be honest with ourselves, and I'm not picking on a cook, a cook, because he's going to be a great player. He was terrible last night because he was rusty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that... What is what this coaching staff and, thinks about something? You could you could tell he had some conditioning issues. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Somebody that just came off the couch and he was trying to you know make sure that he was in the right health status sure. is playing twice as many minutes as Pat Sumnick. But you continue to, to continue, Jamel King. Yeah, uh, I who at at one point I thought was going to be able to be a four that could space the floor and run to the rim, and that never happened. Seth Wilson who I know Mountaineer fans love because he had some big moments coming off the bench last year, but he's so small and can't create his own shot. Kobe Johnson. Who I like as a defender and sometimes as a facilitator. He's the best of the true freshmen. And James Conquo, Who is at North Carolina not playing. Okay. You look at nine guys over two recruiting classes that you didn't bring out of the transfer portal. I'll just throw it out there. If you take away their WVU offers, how many power conference offers do you think there were in that group? One. I'd say probably a Conquo, and that was probably there it. were five. Whew. That's crazy for man. nine guys. That's incredible. Three of them were Josiah Harris, which is you know another oh. indictment of the previous regime. I mean, let's but let's play this out now because this is the the, the state of where we're at, Mountaineer fans. And I I know that this is a depressing segment, but to me, there's three futures with this team. Well, there's two. Kirk Creasy is coming back. How much further does Kirk Creasa move the needle on this team? Because then you think about your rotation. Your rotation with Kirk Creasa is an eight-man rotation. I, I would like to see that significantly decline into Josh, Josiah Harris's minutes. You're going to have to play a small lineup and then bring Harris, Wilson, and a cook off the bench. I don't know that Ofrin Neve holds up at the three long term right now. I, do, I, I don't know if anybody. I, Josiah Harris can't shoot or defend. No, I, no. I don't disagree with that. So it's going to have to be somebody. I mean, if to me, you're going to have to play <clears throat> Carissa and Johnson on the floor at the same time, which I think is going to really hurt Kobe Johnson because he needs the ball in his hands to have any kind of production, and you can't not have the ball in Kirk Carissa's Exactly. Yeah. You're either taking the ball out of Carissa's hands and turning him into a spot-up shooter so Kobe Johnson can play in his 
optimal role or you're taking the ball out of Kobe Johnson's hands and giving it to Kirk Carissa, which you have to do, right. but that completely nerfs anything that Kobe Johnson can do on the offensive end of the floor. So again, back to my original point, there's two outcomes with this team. There's the team that has A. Cook, A. Cook getting better each game and Kirk Carissa coming back. The question then becomes when you look at entering into the toughest conference of college basketball, how good is that team going to be? Is it a team that can make the NIT? And then you have the possibility of Raekwon being reinstated and Josh Eiler talking about bringing people into the semester break. Those are the two windows of opportunity that, that you have. You don't have an opportunity at any point this season to say, all right, fair enough, we're not going to be good enough. We need to start figuring out how we need to get our young guys in the best position to succeed because you don't have any because Quinn's gone. Jesse's gone. Raekwon, if he's eligible, will then be gone. I think Kreisa has a chance to come back. Kreisa has one two more. years. Oh, he has two years. Slazinski might. Okay. I don't have – I if WVU's luck with the NCAA stays the same. When, when Slazinski signed with WVU as a transfer, there was discussion he may be able to get a medical red shirt for last year at Iona. I don't know what the status of that is. So your thoughts on those two outcomes then, Parker Stone? You've got the version of this team that has A. Cook and Kerr, and that's it for the rest of the season, or you have a version of this team that maybe gets some luck with bringing in one or two players to the program and get Raekwon Battle back. Is there an opportunity still for this team to make a postseason tournament, let alone the NCAA tournament, but the NIT? Uh, I think it all is going to boil down to how these players mesh. A. Cook, A. Cook needs to get fully healthy in condition and – be a quality starter for this team. Kirk Kreish is going to have to be an outstanding playmaker, I feel like, and I feel like this team's going to need Raekwon Battle to get cleared. And My early take, I think Raekwon Battle gets cleared by the start of the new year. I think he's going to be playing in 2024. I really do. I think this is now getting some steam. This is getting national press now, and people are slamming their hands and their fists on the table saying, Free Raekwon battle. This is ridiculous. Why are we preventing a player who is a senior from playing basketball? This is beyond ridiculous. I think that the heat's going to get hotter on the NCAA to clear Raekwon battle. I think it happens. So then we'll have a rotation of the guys who we thought were coming in, being Kreisha, being Battle, being Jesse Edwards, being A. Cook, A. Cook, and Slazinski. And that's a pretty good starting five and a team that can compete. If that all that happens, I think this is a team that can make an NIT run and maybe be one of those first few teams out of the NCAA tournament. But that's a lot of stuff that's got to happen. Right. That's hoping in the NCAA, which never hope on the NCAA for anything. And I, we'll have to see. But it's going to have to take a lot of things for this team to make a postseason run, if now you the, ask me today. The argument that people aren't going to want to hear is at a certain point, this coaching staff is going to have to look around and say, there's not a lot of hope left for this season. And they may just have to say, redshirt Raekwon Battle, let him play next year. Yeah. Because there's no point in, no point in burning him, the remainder exactly. of his eligibility for 15 yeah. games, for 15 for games, that games don't of a team that's not going anywhere. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that statement. Uh, it's it's just so frustrating to me, and I said this coming into the season, I stand by. I mean, Josiah Harris, to me, is the pivot of of so many play, uh, This team's ability to peak because they're one shooter away from being much better than they are right now, and they don't have anybody. The best shooter they're getting back is Kirk Kreese, who's going to have the ball in his hands more than anybody. And then you're going to play him next to Kobe Johnson, can't shoot. Josiah Harris can't shoot. Seth Wilson can't create his own shot. Best shooter on the floor is Quinn Slazinski. You know, and he's somebody that he's playing 35 minutes a night. He's taking 15 shots a night. 
I mean, by the time we get into February and the dog days of conference play, he's going to struggle to finish games. It's going he's to struggling be, to finish games it's now. It's going to be a miracle if you can get him and Edwards through an entire season healthy because of the mileage that they're putting on their bodies. It it's just it, it's certainly frustrating. With that said, let's end on a positive note. Daniel Woods, Offrey Nave, dude, is pretty special. <laughs> he, he may just be a, he may just be that guy. Like let's put this in perspective. Let's let's hold ourselves to an answer here because you love with the things that Offrey does well. Body control, great. Floor vision, great. Defensive IQ and his ability to rotate, great. Jump shot looks good, although he struggles to shoot the ball right now. You know he's he plays this game with a motor and he plays this game with a high level of intelligence. I mean, the ceiling for him is unbelievable. The ceiling for him is the first round pick in the NBA. I'm not saying that's going to happen this year, obviously, but. I love what I've seen from him. They need to, at some point, if they get to the point this year where this this season is a wash, like you mentioned. Uh, by the way, a texture says Slazinski is sucking air at the beginning of the second half. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he and Jesse Edwards enter the paint. They have three people hanging well, on we, him because we, you know why? They can't kick out to anybody who can shoot them. No, ball. and we said I said this last night sitting around watching this game. Quinn Slazinski off of a Jesse Edwards ball screen has become this team's equivalent of in the NFL Oh, screw it. Tyreek Hill's down there somewhere. So, yeah, he's got the ball in his hands a ton. They're using him to bring the ball up the floor half yeah. the time. So, yeah. He's the best power forward that the Mountaineers have had in a long time. Devin Ebanks? <laughs> well, it depends on what version of the floor, because Butler would play there, Ebanks would play there, KJ would play there. But yeah. since yeah. that era, he's the best. You're absolutely yeah. right. But go back to my conversation about Nave. At some point this season, if you realize that this team isn't going to be very good, two things need to happen, like you said. You need to say, Raekwon, we want to get you going, man, but it's in your best interest to sit this year out and come back and play next year, and you got to do everything you can to make sure Offrey stays. Well, let me ask this question as well. So if this season goes completely off the rails, what what's the feeling with Coach Eilert? Is is he given another chance with I a? I hope so. Uh, I hope so too. I like Coach Eiler, and I want to see him succeed and give him as long. I, I think as we he's going to be put into a situation where it comes down to this: he's coming back unless somebody becomes available. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I would agree with that. I, I I think if I I don't know who the ex- example would be. You know, I'd always said that I'd love Travis Ford to get this job, and he's about to get fired. But I don't know if I want Travis Ford right now. You know, if John Beeline is sitting on the sidelines and was like, you know, I wasn't sure, but now that I know I can get a full recruiting class, maybe I will come out of retirement and do this. I think that there are people that are out there that Ren Baker can't say no to. I'm yeah. sure it's a short list. This is a desirable job. Absolutely yeah, for sure. Look at look at what the Country Roads Trust has done to before, well, that, every, not before only... everything that happened this summer. Look at the talent that was coming to this program through the transfer portal. That was well, ridiculous. Look at the talent that could potentially. I mean, if Kirk Creasa, Afri Nave, and Quinn Slazinski are all on the roster next year, yeah, you are a couple of mid-major transfers and a good freshman recruiting class away from being pretty good right away. Well, Noah, Noah Farrakhan will be eligible next year. Absolutely, who was a 15-plus point per game score at Eastern Michigan. But to the Nave conversation again, the last three games you include Pitt last night. This is from a true freshman who weighs 180 pounds, by the way, folks. There's no way he weighs and, 180 pounds. He, and he's 150 soaking wet. A, a true freshman who weighs 180 pounds that had never played basketball in the United States before the month of November is averaging in the last three games 10 points, five rebounds, two assists. Yeah. It's impressive. He's he's a very good player. He play, plays the game at a high level, and I'm excited to see what he and Kirk can do on the floor. This, especially, and, and Jesse Edwards is an incredibly intelligent player, and so is Quince Lazinski. There is going to be... 
Mountaineer fans because we want to end up some positivity. Despite the fact that this team is going to struggle to win conference games, there are going to be some moments of beautiful basketball that we have not seen since John Beeline was the coach here. Yeah. On the offensive side of the floor, there's good, this team is going to be a lot more aesthetically pleasing, and uh, hopefully Offrey's going to stick around um, and we can you know, kind of piece together. Like Parker Stone said, I don't want to rule out optimism because who knows, you go out and you get two freaking uh, Bryce Butler types to transfer into the program and you've got Kirk Kreese going and Raekwon battles eligible and all of a sudden you're cooking. But, you know, to be realistic, there are still things to be optimistic about for this Mountaineer basketball program, even though it may not be, you know, postseason basketball to look forward to this year. You can text us 304-263-4321. Going to take a look at the NBA basketball landscape when we return on the other side of this break. This is Panhandle Sports Live. Welcome back, Panhandle Sports Live here on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. You can interact with us on Twitter as well, at EP Sports Network, where we just got a tweet saying, things to be excited about, WVU Baseball and J.J. Weatherhold. If you missed the MLB Draft Lottery, uh, the Cleveland Guardians got the first pick in the draft. and a lot They had like 2% odds. Yeah, they it did. was nuts. And the Cardinals fell two spots. They're picking in the top 10 for the first time since the 80s. I'm not really thrilled about that. But uh, a lot of mock drafts have J.J. Weatherhold as the first player coming off the board. We'll have more time to talk about it uh, as the year goes on. But I'll say this, as a lover of J.J. Weatherhold, I would be shocked if J.J. was the first player taken in next year's draft. I think he's going to have a great season. But, I, I mean, he's not going to hit 440 again. <laughs> That's tough. And, and his regression is going to be yeah. held against him, despite the fact that he's going to have a great season and he's coming off of one of the best seasons in college baseball history. You would think there would be some regression to the yeah, man. Yeah, he's going to hit 370. He's going to have a great season. But all these morons on YouTube that think that they're experts are going to, what happened to J.J. Weatherhall? He's down 70 points in batting average, even though he fell from 440 to 370. Well, and some team, <laughs> and you know what's going to happen? I said this to Daniel. The Rays or the Cardinals or somebody else is going to take him at the, with the 20th pick, and he's going to be a perennially great player. And he's going to be Jed Jerko with a higher batting average and can steal some bases. He's probably—I don't know if he's ever going to make an All-Star. I hope he's a Hall of Famer. I hope he—I yeah. hope he's Pete Rose. But you know, I—I <laughs> I, I see him minus being the a, gambling. <laughs> yeah, minus the the off the field issues. But I—I I, I think that um, he's going to have a great MLB career. But I would be shocked if he's the first pick in the draft. So WVU baseball will play approximately 40 games this year, right? Yeah. What's the over-under on fastballs that are thrown to J.J. Weatherhold? Not many. They're going to have to do yeah. everything to protect him <laughs> in the lineup. I don't know what they're – I mean, I hope he continues to – I hope he hits second. I don't know. We'll talk about that as the season goes on. Uh, guys, we got to talk about the NBA landscape because Parker Stone and Daniel Woods are both happy men because their respective teams are leading the uh, respective conferences. Uh, for Joe Mazzulla Celtics, they have a half game up on the Milwaukee Bucks. Celtics are playing good basketball, and we're seeing them play without a fully healthy Kristaps Porzingis. As he goes, so the Celtics go, because I think he's the key, the final piece to make them a championship team. Damian Lillard is starting to figure things out in Milwaukee. They've got really good chemistry uh, as that team continues to play a pretty high level of basketball. Uh, but then you turn your attention, uh, Daniel Woods, in the Eastern Conference, and uh, you see this one particular team out of Orlando who currently possesses the number three or third overall in the conference. They've got a top 10 defense. They're just on the outside in offense as well. Franz Wagner's a great wing player for the Orlando Magic. That's who I'm talking about. Paulo Bencaro's coming off of an unbelievable performance. This is a team that's invested heavily in their backcourt, and it's starting to pay off. Um, they're the biggest surprise this year of the Eastern Conference to me. I don't know about you. This is just a team that's drafted really well. 
I, I, there were people that wanted to bury this Orlando Magic front office for taking Paolo Banquero first overall, and those people have egg on their face, uh, particularly after last He's night. He's shooting 44, make it 43% from three on three attempts a game. I don't know that that's sustainable. I but don't care. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's 21 games. Yeah. Um, Franz Wagner, absolute steal. It, he was not a guy that I was sold on coming yeah. out of Michigan, but he, he had enough flashes that you thought he would be a good NBA player, but I don't think anybody thought he was going to be averaging 26 and four in, in his third year in the league. Um, Mo Wagner has been a tremendous addition to this team, a guy that bounced around the league, spent a ton of time in the G League, and is now a double-digit scorer on this team. You know who's very quietly pulling it all together this year for this team that I think a lot of people wrote off? Jalen Suggs. Yeah, Jalen yeah. Suggs has started 20 games for this team, and he's averaging over 12 points per game. And you just have to believe in what this team has put together through the NBA draft because – you know, Mo, Mo Wagner was a free agent addition. They traded for Markel Fultz, who's only played in five games this year. They traded for Wendell Carter, who's only played in five games this year. The guys that are getting it done for this team are Orlando Magic draft picks. And again, you just have to tip your cap to, to this front office and the scouting work that they've done and the belief that they are making the right picks and the belief that they know something the rest of the NBA doesn't, and they've pulled it off. Man, and they can go big too. Anthony Black, six foot seven. Jalen Suggs, six foot five. They're a tough team that can defend some tough buckets. So, Parker Stone, what else catches your eye in the Eastern Conference? 76ers, uh, now that they actually run an offense and not James Harden ISO, they're a lot of fun, and Kelby Oubre's coming back. The Knicks are a perennial five seed in the Eastern Conference. Is this the year they step it up? Uh, if the season ends today, Tyrese Halliburton should be the MVP. I love him to death. Um, they're the sixth seed, I, I, and I think that's where the I would draw the line right now between legitimate teams that have legitimate chances of winning a conference championship before you get to the Heat, the Cavs, the Nets, that's, the list goes on. Your thoughts on the Sixers, Knicks, and Pacers. Who of those three do you think is the, the best challenger in the East? I'd say the Knicks today. I think they have the best roster out of these three. The Sixers do pose the threat with Embiid and Tyrese Maxey that's really stepped up and proved he can be a number two scoring option in an NBA offense. But the Sixers' depth, I think, is where I maybe get trepidations. But the Knicks have really good depth. I say out of all three of those, the Knicks are the team that have the longest staying power. The Pacers, I got to see them do it for a little bit longer because they've been on that bubble or on that fence of either being a play-in team or a playoff team for multiple years now. And really what's going on behind the Pacers intrigues me because we see the Heat, of course, magical run last year, go to the finals. Now they're 12-9 and nine through 20 games, 21 games in their season is, are the moves are, are they losing what they had last year? I mean, of course they lost Vincent, they lost Struess. Are they able to piece that roster together? Or was it just a magical run? The Cavs now are a team that's sitting around 500. Are they going to be able to get it done, or are they going to have to cash out and see if they can find a really good deal for Donovan Mitchell or the like? What what do they want to do at that point? The Nets as well. I think they've rebuilt themselves really well after the collapse of the the big three that played twenty games together and Harden, Durant, and uh, why am I Harden, 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 Durant, and Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, thank you. And uh, see, I told you so much. I totally forgot who the third member of that big three was going to be. But 
Yeah, it, there's a lot of intrigue going on in the East right now, but I do want to give a quick shout-out to the West. The Minnesota Timberwolves are the best record in basketball right now, which I would not have expected to say. And, it, and I mean, you put Halliburton up there. Anthony Edwards is also a really strong MVP candidate right now. He's playing really good. Yeah, certainly. Well, before we talk about the Timberwolves, because it's Daniel Woods' team, we want to talk about them in just a second. I want to talk about uh, three teams that are right in a row at the bottom of the uh, Western Conference right now. The Warriors are a game below 500. With Chris Paul, they're 11th in the conference. The Jazz are perennial contenders that are also very, very much struggling right now. And the Memphis Grizzlies without John Morant. Well, first of all, Desmond Bain's a really good player uh, who has gone from pretty good rookie to pretty good role player to, in my opinion, all-star. Desmond Bain is a top what player right now in the NBA? 30? I think there's an argument for that. All right, fair enough. Um, 49 last night. Really quick. Yeah, he's unbelievable. And I still love Jaron Jackson Jr., even though he's having a bad season. Warriors, Jazz, Grizzlies, which of those three, Daniel, do you think has the most, the big, best ability to turn their season around and finish mid-table or better in the Western Conference? I mean, I think it's Memphis as long as John Morant comes back and plays at a John Morant level. Um, I, I think that's not a particularly difficult image to see. This Jazz team... This Jazz team is just weird, man. Like, I don't know what to make out of this roster, to be completely honest with you. Like, Laurie Markkinen, is Laurie Markkinen the empty calories king of the NBA right now? It's not Carl Anthony Towns anymore. They're it in is first not. place. Um, Jordan Clarkson's uh, Andre Drummond score. isn't around to take that crown anymore. Um, I will say this, though. I really like Keontae George. I think he's going to be a really good player long term. So do I. I had, I had questions about him coming out, but he's answered a lot of them I early. Mean, you look at him, Kessler... Taylor Horton Tucker are all under 23 years old. I mean, they, they've got pieces. It's just I don't see. Kelly Olenek is here. That's probably why they're losing. Oh, and they have Oshaya Baji, who I really wanted the Wizards to take. Uh, so there's and some they spent, young They spent a there. top 10 pick on Taylor Hendricks, and he's played three games. Like, that's less than ideal. Yeah. I, I just don't entirely know what this team is doing. Uh, I don't know that the pieces fit together all that well. Uh, the Warriors, I mean... How many times have we said that it doesn't matter where they finish? It just matters no, that they it's the just getting in. You, you got to get in them. because how many how many times have we said had had to eat crow over the years and say you know reports of the Warriors' death have been greatly exaggerated? Uh, but I think out of this group, it's got to be the Grizzlies, even though they're lowest in the standings because I mean they're getting an MVP MVP candidate back at some point, uh, but. I don't really like anybody out of that group, to be completely honest. The the Desmond Bain uh, breakout is is the key to this, I think. Yeah, certainly. Well, uh, really quickly, Daniel, explain to everybody why the Timberwolves are leading the Western Conference right now. Well, Anthony Edwards is turning into one of the best players on the planet, is the first thing. He's averaging almost 26 points per game, six rebounds, and five assists, which is uh, tremendous. He's playing a lot of time on the ball, and frankly... There's been a couple of moves that this team has made in recent years that a lot of people had a lot of questions about that a lot of people are having to eat crow over because Rudy Grobert is able to play next to Carl Anthony Towns. He is productive on both ends of the floor. He's incredibly efficient on offense. He's blocking two and a half shots per game. They got absolute free money out of Nas Reed. Yes, indeed. Uh, who is, it appears here for the long haul. Mike Conley is just such a calming presence on both ends of the floor for this team. I have depth questions. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is playing 23 minutes a game. They brought in Shake Milton in the offseason. He has not done a ton for this team. 
Jaden McDaniels has been in and out of the lineup with injuries, but the big story here is that Anthony Edwards is turning into one of the best players on the planet. And I'm just going to say it. And I said this to you last night, the people out there for the 2020 draft that said Anthony Edwards should not be the number one overall pick because he said in an interview that he wanted to be an NFL player growing up. Those people need to reevaluate their lives. All right. That's going to do it for this segment. We've got a break to take when we return Parker's picks and, you know, another thing that I wasn't planning on talking about today, but I do want to bring it up because we did get a message about this as well. we got to talk about the really weird situation at Marshall yesterday, uh, and we'll talk about that when we return. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Want to join the conversation? Text in at 304-263-4321. As you heard there during the commercial break, we've got the Metro News gubernatorial debate tonight. You can hear it at 7 o'clock right here on WEPM and WCST with a post-debate roundtable that our very own Marsha Kovalik will be taking part in. That starts at 8 o'clock. You can hear it right here on WEPM and WCST. Uh, and you can listen to it or watch it as well as the MetroNews.com website. Final segment of the show, boys. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. All right, we went two for three. The lock hit. We split our bonus picks. A&M covers against DePaul. As we know, DePaul is not very good at basketball this year. 89-64, to the final in that one. Talk about surprise of the night. Marquette whooping up on Texas. What? And I was not expecting that. I, they're, my, yeah. they're my pick to win the national championship Marquette's if the good. season ends today. Marquette's good. I mean, they beat Texas 86 to 65, 20 plus point victory in a game that was an eight and a half point spread favoring Marquette. That margin narrowed in garbage time. That was a 30 point game with four minutes left. That's Marquette. Shout out to the guy at uh, Cool 92.9 yesterday that said he's going to start fading Parker's. Hey, hey, do what you got to do, man. (laughs) Hey, these are suggestions. You can fade them, you can copy them, do what you want with them. And South Carolina was able to cover the eight and a half point spread that I have against Clemson. Clemson one seventy two to sixty seven. South Carolina was up at the half of that game, by the way. That was the Gamecocks' first loss in play this season. So it's time for the most disgusting Thursday night football game we have ever had. It oh is, yeah, I forgot that was the night. Yeah, it oh, is, thank you. It is, it is a disgusting, disgusting football game. This is the Iowa Nebraska of. NFL football. I would argue this might be Al Michaels is going to retire mid-broadcast. I would if I had to call this game too. It's the Patriots and it is the Steelers and our lock of the day to no one's surprise. It's not just it's not just that. It's is it not Bailey Zappi against Mitch Trubisky? It's Bailey Zappi and Mitch Trubisky. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No surprise. The (laughs) over/under is 30 and a half points for an NFL game, and you bet your bottom dollar we're taking the under. (laughs) <laughs> we're, we're going the under on this game. It's going to be disgusting. I'm, I'm taking the under 30 and a half. Trubisky and Zappi, both under on passing yards. I'm taking Trubisky under 80 and a half. Zappi's under 154 and a half. I'm just, I'm just calling for a disgusting football game, and I think that's what we're going to get. Under 30 and a half total points. Trubisky and Zappi are under their passing yards. If you want to watch this game, cool for you. I'm not going to watch it, but I'm just going to ride out with these and hope they pay off. But... Those are the picks for today. And quickly before we get into the Marshall discussion, I want I'd be remiss if we didn't bring this up. Juan Soto is a New York Yankee now. Yes, indeed. So that's and a, it was the fifth, thirteenth, the fifth best and thirteenth best organizational prospect 
an average to slightly above average reliever and an average to slightly below average starting pitcher. No, the Yankees won that trade. Of I course feel they like. won that trade. And the Padres look like fools now because they traded a whole farm to get Soto from the Nationals, and now they ship him out after a season and a half. For nothing. Yeah. And uh, Juan Soto is an easy favorite for the MVP right now. As someone who lives for chaos, going back to that, that Thursday night NFL game, just because the Steelers uh, signed a certain person as their uh, emergency third quarterback – Oh. I, I need a couple guys to go down. Are so there we, bad words in so that song? Can we play? There are not. All right, we're going to finish this show we, with that song. We need uh, Trace McSorley action on Thursday Night Football. That's um, all I'm saying. All right, so we're running out of time in the show, and I'm going to pull up the, the Trace McSorley theme song. If you haven't heard it, you're about to be enlightened. So Cam Fancher, quarterback at Marshall, played some, didn't play some, wondered if he was injured. It was a whole saga throughout the year. He put his name in the transfer portal, Daniel, but that's not what grabbed people's attention yesterday. No, it is not, uh, because this is from Cassidy Wood at WOWK-TV in, in Charleston, who's a friend of the program, um, and this is a tweet shortly after Cam Fancher puts his name in the transfer portal. Talk to Coach Huff. He says this one doesn't come as a surprise. Quote, there isn't a lot of money for NIL, and the fans hate him. The kid has been miserable. And that's picked up national attention. Yeah. And yeah. frankly, uh, for good reason, because you basically had Charles Huff who by all accounts has had his eyes on power five jobs for the last two years. And there's been an argument from some people in that Marshall community that that is part of why this team's tucked such a nosedive this year, but they just finished six and six. They started four and O and then lost six of their last eight games. And now he's calling out fans. He's calling out boosters. What are we, what are we doing here? Like, Basically outed that you don't have NIL money to pay players, which is going to tank your program. Yeah, pretty much. It's Something not, like that. Not good. Yeah, not a lot of great things going on in Huntington. That's going to do it for today's edition of Panhandle Sports Live. Good vibes for the Steelers fans. Trace McSorley's probably not going to take Come a snap on. tonight, but he's in the he building. Might next week. All right. This has been Panhandle Sports Live. This is the Trace McSorley song. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Trace McSorley, Trace McSorley, they call me Trace McSorley, I went out to the bar and I woke up in a sorority, <laughs> Michigan defense softer than that cheesecake, Beaver Stadium, get loud. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.